And we are live. Welcome to Staking Monday Season 2, everyone. Last season, we had guests like Doquan, Stani from Ave, and much more. Make sure to go check out all of Season 1 on YouTube and Spotify. Of course, Staking Mondays is a weekly show where we share knowledge from key staking industry leaders with our community. And this is all powered by stakingrewards.com. At Staking Rewards, we are helping investors navigate the landscape of yield-generating digital assets, helping them find the best opportunities to earn interest on crypto. My name is Ken, and I'm with the co-founder of Staking Rewards here today, Merkel Schmiedel, and we are delighted to welcome today's guest, Dr. Julian Host. Julian Host. Hey, everyone. Hey, welcome, Julian. And Julian, you've been uh, in the crypto space for many years here, and you've been a professional athlete, a dentist, uh, before moving full-time into crypto. And you co-founded 10X in 2017 and became a thought leader in the industry with a huge following on YouTube. And you are now the CEO and co-founder of Cake DeFi and DeFi Chain. So welcome very much, Julian. We're really glad to have you here with us today. Thanks. Looking forward to yeah, discussing a few of the topics that are on people's minds right now. Absolutely. And then just to give you a little icebreaker to get you more comfortable here, if you could just introduce to us uh, which cryptocurrency first caught your interest outside of Bitcoin and Ethereum? <laughs> uh, that's a hard one. Um, which one was before? after Bitcoin Ethereum, I actually, I invested in a lot, a lot of ICOs during 2016. Um, and then through 2017, actually, that is how my YouTube channel, um, got started by me analyzing ICOs in 2016. Um, and then looking back, obviously in 2016, uh, all ICOs pretty much went up because uh, it was just a hype cycle. Uh, reminds me a bit of, uh, yeah, just how most uh, DeFi or NFT projects uh, uh, went up over the past year. But I think over the next two to three years, that's when it really matters. Uh, yeah. Very cool. Nice. And then, uh, like, wh what do you think about the value proposition of, like, the biggest two, like, Bitcoin and Ethereum? Do you think Ethereum is a competitor to Bitcoin in any way or in, in any sense? And, like, uh, how, how do you think um, is that playing out? I think at the moment, there's a bit of a sentimental competition, but actually there shouldn't be. Um, I, I see the value proposition is uh, totally different. Um, one has the utility of, to me at least, being digital gold and being this digital censorship resistant asset that I think is very, very strong when it comes to decentralization. I think that is its main value proposition. And I think on Ethereum, it's really all about um, expanding uh, DeFi capabilities, um, obviously allowing any kind of smart contract that you can come up with. Um, it's, to me, a huge kind of lab where people can try out things and, and play around. And um, I don't think NFTs would have gotten created the way they did had it not been for Ethereum. So I don't know. I think um, also the mindset of, of the communities are very different. I think they just fight a lot Um because I feel one feels that the other is taking something away from them. And I just don't see this at all. Um, yeah, I, again, I think both uh, coins actually are very successful. And I also believe that both coins probably should be in every investor's portfolio. All right. And do, do you think um, there, there are any use cases outside of like the transactional layer, outside of store of value or like currency and store of value for Bitcoin? Like, be, because it is more decentralized and so on, like, if if Bitcoin would be able to adopt, like, this stuff, wouldn't it be, like, kind of, yeah, 
the the only one that's that's still out there if if it could do that then like is it possible that that it can uh adopt more use cases so complexity is always a bit of a danger um and i think what makes bitcoin so successful is just its simplicity it can do one thing and it can do this thing really 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 well and i think that is the main key here um i would be very cautious if i were i don't know either at uh, um i don't know a bitcoin core developer or if i would be someone who tries to play a bit of the, with the narrative on where bitcoin should be going i'd be very very careful in adding too much complexity uh to that network um, you look at some of the most successful apps to go into a different direction here, but you look at Instagram. Instagram basically was all about just sharing photos. Um, once it uh, started doing really weird stuff with like 60 other features, that's where it, when it became complicated. You look at TikTok. TikTok is so successful because it can do one thing, post like super short video clips. Um, I, I think people always are worried that, I don't know, one utility feature is not enough, but most of the time it's actually super enough and now it's all about bringing it to billions of people yeah and some great perspective there julian and now talking about the market caps versus ethereum and bitcoin do you ever think there's a chance that ethereum will actually flip bitcoin uh the flipping will happen you think this is possible i think it's a high likelihood actually um and again that doesn't mean that i think Ethereum is more successful or Bitcoin is more successful. I think there's a high likelihood for Ethereum flipping uh, Bitcoin, probably not this year. I would say if the cycle extends, how a lot of uh, the people are expecting to go until mid next year or something, uh, I think there's a very high likelihood for Ethereum to flip in Bitcoin. Um, but then on the other hand, right, every great investor always looks at the downside first. Like what's the possible downside? And there, I also think Bitcoin is probably right now at a very fair value. I, I, I think uh, it's very difficult to argue from a sentimental perspective, from a gross perspective, from what's happening in the world, that Bitcoin has a lot of room to drop. Sure, it can, but that's probably more emotional rather than very rational. Um, on the Ethereum side, though, I'm not, I, I think it's always so difficult to value like what ETH is actually worth. Um, it's I think it's a bit more tricky. So... I think on a on a risk perspective, Bitcoin is the way safer bet. On the potential like upside perspective, I think Ethereum makes it very attractive, and that's again why I think um, both coins should be in your portfolio. Um, we could argue about the percentage. Um, Ark Invest, Kathy Wood, I think she's on a two on two to one now, a sixty forty split, sixty percent Bitcoin, forty percent Ethereum. Um, yeah, maybe a two to one or something. I think that's uh, quite interesting. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, there'll be much chaos if we do ever see the flipping occur here. Uh, all the <laughs> Ethereum maxis will definitely come out of the woodworks just uh, promoting at that point. Um, and just want to remind the audience listening here, I think you guys are already doing a great job adding some questions into the chat, but uh, all the great questions, we're going to try to ask them at the end of the episode here. So feel free to comment your questions if you're watching now. And Julian, just, uh, you mentioned earlier about some NFTs and some, some DeFi. Uh, what do you think will be the biggest adoption driver for crypto? NFTs are big, but still not everyone can relate to them. Not everyone can relate to the, the hundreds of thousands, if not millions, being spent on CryptoPunks. Um, you know, is it going to be the metaverse that helps drive this adoption, or is it something entirely else? I mean, I, I really could see that the metaverse actually, and I still think the metaverse is actually going to include a lot of the building blocks that 
that were kind of created prior to this entire metaverse focus that, um, yeah, it has been existing in the crypto space probably for the last, I would say, two years. Um, and then obviously this year with Zuckerberg and Facebook kind of transitioning into that. Um, I think that is going to be a very powerful um kind of value proposition for, for many people because they're going to be like, okay, so Zuckerberg is talking about all this and it's so exciting, but man, do I really trust this guy? And do I really want to like use the stuff that he built um, looking at like uh, how I was always the product and every one of the other kind of services that he built. And, and again, it's free. So hmm, what am I going to do there? So I'm probably going to be just the same kind of product. I'm going to be sold somewhere on the back end. I just haven't figured out how I'm going to be sold. And then people are going to look more into this open, decentralized world. And, and that is where I think a lot of the building blocks um, doesn't matter when it comes to very specific projects around uh, uh, the metaverse or NFT or DeFi. I think all those building blocks actually going to fall in um, because if you really want to have this open world, then, well, it shouldn't be governed by or it shouldn't be controlled by one company, currency in there, assets in there, uh, financials in there and there needs to be some financial market in there right uh collectibles in there galleries and so on um they're gonna all be used on a decentralized basis so i think that could be a very very powerful adoption for the entire crypto space yeah i i fully agree on that and i mean even the the metaverse it's not just like a, a game or anything it's like it's everything it's like all kinds of ownerships like digital ownerships in the in the market and um like uh Talking a little bit about interest rates in general, which I, I believe are also like a big adoption driver for crypto right now, that you can earn like very high, like two-figure percentages on stable coins and like even on Bitcoin and Ethereum. And um, like I that's mainly driven right now, probably because of the bull market and like a lot of people leveraging the market and like um, there's a like perceived risk and like regulatory risk for institutions to get into it um like with with high sums and so on and then like for staking like the high interest rates come from like high subsidies in the beginning of uh, launching a network um how, how do you think will that change in the coming years that like interest like the interest rates will they decline to um to the levels of like current TradFi or like yeah what's your take on that yeah i mean obviously with our company cake defi obviously that's a space where we actually think about that a lot because for us everything is about providing cash flow on people's crypto assets um and i do think that um especially on the maturing products and the maturing services uh yield will go down um simply because the early incentives will like disappear or will go lower um and then other services will mature. There will be more capital in there. At the moment, there's a lot of information arbitrage um, where a lot of people can make so much money just because it's so few people actually using it or they're arbitraging between two services. And so the better all these kind of price discovery tools work, um, the lower the interest or the, the lower the rates will get. But at the same time, I expect that you will see newer services again, uh, other services. Um, and I think that is always what you want to look out for on the one hand as a user, um, then obviously also as a company, um, because these are the services that you want to provide to the users. So I think it will be a, a, a thing of both. It will be existing services going down with interest rates, um, and then new services coming in, uh, people being innovative. And again, this information arbitrage is still existing. Uh, uh, so yeah, a, a bit um, definitely something of both.
Mm. So, so you think the high interest rates are mainly because of inefficiencies in the market right now? Yeah, totally. I mean, I really think it's inefficiencies um, because as soon as you have, um, uh, like, let's say lending, um, uh, lending rates, right? At the end, if once banks come in and they come in not with millions of dollars, but they come they come in with billions of dollars, um, stablecoin lending rates would drop dramatically. Right. Um, why? Because suddenly there's so much supply at the moment. There's just not that much supply because it is a gray space when it comes to regulation on the stablecoin side, as you can see in the U.S., where there's just a lot of focus on that. So um, over time, there's just going to be so much supply coming in. And at the end, that's going to push the rates down. Um, and then obviously, uh, Bitcoin and uh, ETH lending rates depend a lot on the sentiment in the market. How many people actually want to short that asset, right? And so the more people want to short it, um, the higher the lending rates are. It's the same as on the stock market. So um, a lot of it uh, has to do there with inefficiencies, obviously a bit also with the, with the market sentiment. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then like, how, how do you prepare yourself or like your, your company as Cake DeFi for uh, a scenario where the, where the interest rates drop in general or like prepare yourself for like a potential bear market as well or like a stagnant market where the interest rates are generally lower? Like, do you have any, any strategies yeah, in place there? Yeah, on, on, on both, like on, on both ways. Um, on the one hand, um, preparing for rates to go down on existing products is simply by um, looking for other exciting, interesting ideas that, that we could add. At the moment, for example, we are um, looking at this entire concept of decentralized tokenization, obviously having these decentralized stocks, decentralized commodities, decentralized um, precious metals and, and understand how could they work and how could tokenization work there? How would the liquidity mining work there? Um, and then uh, I think that is a very interesting market. Then taking this a, a level higher, how would options and futures work for a decentralized uh, ecosystem there? Right. So that is kind of a bit of an, of a, of a step-by-step -step evolution. And, and that's going to be quite, that's going to take quite some time there. And then at the same time, um, how do we prepare as a company for a possible pair market is, uh, again, to understand that you're not a fund. I think many, many companies see themselves as a fund. Uh, they earn crypto and then they double down. Basically, they make their revenue in crypto. And at the same time, they become a fund by investing in crypto. And I think that's just super risky. Uh, yeah, it may, it may work out really well, but it's not what we are doing. So we are diversifying our treasury all the time. Um, we have a very, very, like, Low, volatile, low volatility treasury, um, especially with a large beta towards crypto, which is important. Yeah, so maybe when crypto goes up, our treasury doesn't go up as much, but that's when our revenue is just going to spike. But in return, when crypto, if crypto drops and our revenue drops, then we have this really large treasury that uh, like has this large beta and completely goes the opposite way. Are you, are you able to disclose like the percentage that your company holds in crypto versus fiat? It's just like, I, I mean, we as a company are also like considering like what, what's a good ratio there in general. So it's uh, just just interesting if you can share yeah, it. Yeah, I, I think it's not always crypto versus fiat. I mean, it's, it also depends on a lot of other like kind of investment ideas, right? How much do you hold, let's say in real estate, how much do you hold in, in just very broad kind of S&P 500 stocks? How much do you hold in bonds? Right or other cash and cash equivalents. Um, I think at the moment our crypto ratio is about forty percent of the assets in the treasury, and sixty percent are not in crypto. 
Yeah, so you just try and 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 like you just try to to structure the portfolio in a sense where um and again, I think it also comes down to how con how much conviction do you have about the future? Um are you more are you very convicted that do you really pull through and you're like, you know what? Crypto is going to go up to I don't know, Bitcoin's going to go for sure to $200,000 or for sure to $100,000. Man, then you should really start like swinging through and your percentage should go up. Um, but if you are not, if you don't have that conviction, then uh, you have to be very careful in not moving your assets into low, in, into more, into less volatile assets. And then the other thing comes: how do you rebalance the treasury? All right, and, and that's relevant for every investor as well. Uh, when do you move from low volatility to a higher volatility? So from risk off to risk on assets, and when do you not do that? And so again, it to me it comes down to when it, when do you have more conviction and when do you have less conviction of your bets. Um, and so the less conviction you have, and you just have to be honest with yourself, the less conviction you have, the more you have to stay in risk of assets, in low volatility assets, um, especially when this is your your operating capital that, well, kind of, and we have now uh, over 80 employees. I think we have like 100 employees um, employed, but not everyone started yet. So close to 100. I mean, there's a lot of families and everything attached, right? So I, yeah, decisions there are quite important. Yeah, and thanks for giving us a little insight on as to how you manage your treasury there. Forty uh, percent exposed to crypto is still, to me, relatively bullish uh, on where we're headed in the short term or maybe midterm, right? So we're obviously in a big bull market right now. Um, we I, mean, have I am bullish on crypto right now. I want to highlight that, right? But again, right. we are like maybe a year ago we were pretty much a hundred percent crypto, and so now we just gradually, gradually, gradually are reducing that, and we will keep reducing the higher the market goes. Right. With the rebalancing. Right. And so yep. the market in, in its entirety, about three trillion right now, you got Bitcoin at about 65K, Ethereum pushing up to 5K um, and you got NFT sales that are through the roof. We're talking billions of dollars of capital flowing through NFT sales. Uh, shout out to any NFT artists. If you guys are listening here, uh, comment some of your addresses so we can check out your artwork. Uh, but Julian, so with the current bull market, how long do you think we'll go before we see a major setback? Yeah. Uh, what's a major setback for you? Just so I also have that a bit in. Like, is that like twenty percent, fifty percent, or what? 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 Are you, what, what Let's what call it over setback? a forty percent downturn in the course of a month. Um, I think it depends a bit on how November and December are gonna go. Um, I think if December, like, let's say the stock to flow model does not work, and or that this bottom model Plan B has doesn't work, and the crypto starts, the crypto rise starts slowing down. Uh, simply what we have seen now over the last months, let's say this continues for another month, right? And then we're in mid-December, I think people would really kind of start panicking a bit and they're like, oh, nothing is moving. What's happening in the new year? Um, like, what am I going to do? Should I rebalance? So what should I do, right? So I think people would just get a bit more cautious and that could just become like really extending the cycle massively until like, what a lot of other people are saying, where they are like, hey, it could go into mid-June. And I could, I mean, I can, I actually think what was happening right now, I, I, I think um, I made a video uh, at the beginning of October where I said, I don't expect an all-time high in October, um, where I would expect the all-time high in November. And to me, the biggest problem I think this market had was this all-time high in October. I think this was not good um, because it it lost a lot of power and it lost a lot of momentum Um in, it, it, and it sounds weird. And at the end, that's what we saw. We had this rally until mid-October and then the market totally lost its its power and now it's it's treading water. And hopefully, and I mean, it looks like there's some momentum and people are still 
hopeful. Hopefully, it can push out. But it would have been so much better if that entire momentum would have just come at one and bam. Uh, like really didn't do this all-time high, maybe had only gone to 60, 61,000, no all-time high, and then November, bam, it would like yeah, easily gone to 80 or 90,000 or something. Now to me, this, this scenario that we see maybe a bit of a more bearish December is actually almost looking a bit more likely, um, simply because of that using a bit too much energy too early um, in, in, in October. Um, yeah, if this entire model is right though and uh we get to a uh yeah to a i don't know a hundred thousand christmas which i mean it's possible uh then i wouldn't be surprised if then suddenly the the press mills come in and and all the retail hype and at the moment we see barely any new join any any new kind of joiners into the crypto space right you can uh, whenever you look at Google search results, you look at any kind of growth numbers, it's like mostly existing people who are already in the space. So this entire new hype for new retail is just not there yet. Um, but then I think this could definitely happen. And then we could really see the, I don't know, like a super strong Christmas even all the way through New Year. Um, yeah, uh, that almost like a 2017, 2018 scenario kind of. So again, it, it's difficult for me to predict the, the exact things here. Um, it's either, yeah, it, it's either more like a January, February, uh, if uh, December is, is pumping really strong, uh, or it's uh, going to go more into a, a summer low um, if, uh, yeah, Q1, Q2 are going to, or more Q2 is going to be a bit stronger. Uh, yeah, difficult to, at the moment. I, I really think it's a bit difficult right now. It is. And, you know, a little bit of hopium we're holding on for, but it is kind of unpredictable, but it's definitely a bullish trend. And uh, it is going to be interesting to see what unfolds over the next few months. It's here. definitely bullish. So we're talking about like a long term, definitely bullish. Um, and, and I even think, let's say um, we run up and then we drop. I think we would still be higher after the drop than where we are right now. So I just want to make this clear. Um, that is also why like we have a relatively high percentage in our in our treasury. Yet. But um yeah, the, the yeah. So that's a bit of the the tricky part. And I would be surprised if the crypto market drops from here. So I would also doubt that the market would go from here now and drop. I don't know, down to thirty thousand. I think very like I wouldn't see many reasons why it would do that. And Julian, you're obviously very tapped in here. So maybe you could give us your bold prediction for crypto and the metaverse in the next ten years' time. How will crypto change the world? Um, ooh, 10 years is tough. Um, I, I have my challenges always with that the financial system is gonna like that Bitcoin is gonna replace the dollar or something. I, I always have my challenges with that. I my these challenges will not go away um, in, in my mind. So I actually don't see Bitcoin replacing parts of the financial system. Um, I always think Bitcoin is this digital gold. It will become its separate asset class. I think it's gonna totally going to be accepted as this asset class. And I think 10 trillion, 50 trillion, maybe even a hundred trillion over 10 years is totally reachable. So I, I don't, I, I, that is fine. But to me, that doesn't diminish dollar. That doesn't diminish the Euro. I don't see the competition there just because the value propositions are so different. Um, and I, also in the next 10 years, I don't see a single country 
pricing its GDP in Bitcoin. I just don't see that. I see in the next 10 years, countries still pricing their GDP in whatever local currency they have, or be it the dollar, or be it the euro. So I just don't see that. Um, and we can talk from a game theoretical perspective why that is. It's just because whenever you have something that's more volatile, there's more cost to actually pricing you good in that than something that is diminishing all the time as fiat does, but it's a very predictable, constant diminishing. It's very different than something that goes up, goes down, goes up, goes down. And it's just so hard to price your service and your goods if you have something else that consistently goes down, but is very predictable in going down and fiat does that. So that is just what I see there. On the metaverse, man, I think we're so early in this hockey stick right now that I think we're all going to be wrong on where this is. Because either this hockey stick is going to be so long that even in 10 years, we're not at the part where basically the bats, like the really kind of vertical part starts. Um, or we're so into this vertical part that we are just totally underestimating its power. So yeah, it can either be, I don't know, like 2010 social media where no one really grasps the power of what is going to happen over the next 10 years yet, um, or 2008 probably was like a bit of more of a defining moment there where people are like, oh, yeah, social media, and then bam. Or it's like 3D print or virtual reality that's been always happening, man, over the next 10 years, it's going to change the world. And that's how it's going to, that's how it's been over the last 20 years somehow. Um, yeah, or, or cold fusion, same thing. Like uh, in within the next 10 years, and that's been for the next, for the, for the past 30 years. So I, I think it's so difficult for me to make a prediction there. Um, because I, I cannot judge where on this hockey stick we are. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, even like thinking back like into 2017 or something, uh, it was probably even at that time very, very hard to predict what's happening right now with like uh, the, the market and DeFi and NFTs and the metaverse and Facebook rebranding and stuff. It's, it's, it's crazy times. And um, yeah, even three years is very hard to predict. But yeah, I mean, I think we're all on the same page that it's uh, definitely something big gonna happen in the next 10 years and then i uh like on the other side um what's your personal vision for the next 10 years or like asking um like what what uh what drives you when you get up in the morning kind of what what, what is that um this has changed a lot over the last year um i have a one-year-old son now um yeah it, it's very difficult to explain this to someone, if you yeah, if you haven't experienced that, um, a year ago I would have never said that answer. Um, but now it's really, um, yeah, it's being a, a role model, uh, for for my son. I think that is really an a super big inspiration for me. Um, on the other hand, it is about leaving a legacy. Um, it's it's building a company that impacts millions and millions of people worldwide. That was always a dream of mine as an entrepreneur. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I and, and I think with Cake, we, we have a really good chance in doing that. Um, yeah, and then I always think maybe at some point, hopefully in 10 years, finally have a weekend where I can sleep out again. Any parent kind of understands that. Um, yeah, that would also be a, a dream come true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you, you have the double challenge there as like as a parent and then in crypto where like crypto never sleeps and you probably have a, a lot of things there. Um, no, but that, that's great. And um, 
another question like how, how do you stay on on top of like all the news and everything on crypto like what's your main source of news in general and how do you stay informed in in crypto um i think to be honest mostly it's twitter um it's following certain accounts on twitter um i actually make twitter lists for that so i have like um various lists where just at uh, the accounts some are just news outlets and i just get like basically the headlines there some are just like individual accounts some are like bitcoin focused some are like ethereum focused um some are like DeFi focused some are nft focused and yeah i go through that maybe i don't know once or twice a day um doesn't take me so long it's really efficient i feel um and and then when i feel oh man someone is not actually like interesting to follow or something then i just remove them from a, from a list um yeah so i think that's the by far the easiest way um yeah sometimes it's a bit tricky and you have to be like careful um especially if you're too much on the pulse uh cuz you get really nervous with crypto so i think some of the best investors yeah they they don't actively trade so much they're really more these buy and hold investors um yeah which again also uh everything is kind of reflected in my own company um because uh i i am a buy and hold investor i'm really not a trader at all and so we kind of attract those kind of customers as well cake doesn't attract the customers that are like in and out in and out in and out uh it it attracts the buy and hold investors and that's kind of my philosophy and and what's really terrible for that is obviously if you get daily price updates because uh, that makes you nervous Yeah, and I, I just wanted to mention to everyone watching, uh, you can go check out the Cake profile on Staking Rewards. It's stakingrewards.com backslash savings backslash cake. And if you're a user, you can even leave a review there as well. And Julian, just a, so you said you had a one-year-old uh, child, right? So I'm wondering, are they already making NFTs? And they're already making <laughs> you know, hundreds of thousands of NFTs. No, I'm proud that he can walk a few steps. Uh, uh, making NFTs would uh, be a bit of a stretch right now. Maybe... Maybe it takes another year. <laughs> yeah, another year or two, right? Uh, so, so getting back to Cake. So, in your recent CEO reflection report, you mentioned an impressive seventy-four million USD in rewards were paid out to customers in Q3. So, where do you see this number trending, and how will you continue to grow the reward payouts? I mean, uh, I think Q4 is. I mean, it depends a lot on the price as well. I mean, obviously, it's measured in dollars, right? So, if if crypto and and Q3 was relatively weak when it comes to prices. Um, people just forget that a bit because they they look at October and they're like, oh, that was amazing. But they forget that October is Q4 already. Um, September was like super, super bad. Um, July was kind of the end of that entire drop. And then end of July, August was like a bit of a run up. But then we had this crash in September again. So very low prices in Q3. So for us, that 70 something million rewards is actually super, super high. If we compared that to right now, like we used right now's prices, we would be almost double of that. Um, and so now we have been growing. I mean, like at the moment, we're growing with serious like percentages every day on our total assets, um, on our customer base. I wouldn't be surprised if we paid out, Depend again, depends on the crypto prices. But if crypto prices stay where they are right now or go higher, um, I wouldn't be surprised if we paid out $200 million in, in Q4. Um, I, I mean, our users are super jubilous at the moment. They are, I mean, they couldn't be happier. 
crypto is all time highs. Um, the rewards are as good as they've ever been. It's just, it's bonkers. Yeah. And talking about maintaining the continued growth, what's your current marketing strategy for both Cake DeFi and DeFi Chain? Yeah. So on DeFi Chain, um, and, 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 and that's important. So on DeFi Chain, I was one of the founders together with Yuzen. But um, today, DeFi Chain is very, very decentralized on, on all its kind of aspects. So I don't do any active marketing on DeFi Chain. Obviously, what I do is I talk about it on my YouTube channel. I talk about it on Twitter. I mention it, obviously, in interviews. But I mention it just like I mention it as, a, as an investor in Bitcoin or as an investor in Ethereum. Um, there's nothing that I do actively else on a marketing side just because yeah, I don't know. I talk about Bitcoin as well, and I think everyone should invest in it. And I talk about Ethereum, and I think everyone should invest in it. I talk about DeFi chain. I think everyone should invest in it. To me, this is very, very similar and equal. Um, and 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 I think that's what good blockchains actually should be about. It should be a decentralized community that does that. And now we have so many members who are aggressively kind of spreading the word and the utility of 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 DeFi for the Bitcoin ecosystem. So I think it's really exciting. Um, on Cake, um, that's a company. So that's very, very um, like straightforward how we how we market there. Our there's three main pillars. Uh, one is performance marketing. Uh, we do this on pretty much any kind of uh, platform or social media avenue that allows us to do that. Um, the other one is influencer marketing. I think it's super efficient. And the other one is our referral marketing um, uh, system. I think it's also super efficient. Uh, I think nothing secret. We looked a lot into all these um, sports teams, branding kind of exercises that, I don't know, Coinbase and Crypto.com and FTX and all of them are doing. Um, I'm going to be very curious to see how much of that is just kind of showing like how much balls you have and how much is really investment return um, and how much is really a branding value. I'm still struggling a bit in, in seeing how this is going to translate into actual revenue for these companies. Um, let's see. Um, I don't know how much they are paying, but like the Super Bowl ad for FDX, I'm sure it costs more than $10 million uh, with everything. So yeah, let's see if that actually turns into $10 million in profit for them that they can spend. Let's see. Uh Maybe, maybe. <laughs> yeah, certainly interesting. And being from the Northeast here myself, uh, I'm a big fan of the FTX Tom Brady commercial. I must say, it's nice. I mean, they are absolutely amazing, right? I would love to know how much are they paying Tom Brady and Giselle Bündchen uh, for that, right? And I don't think they're paying them less than 10 million. I think it's more. Um, I would assume they're charging serious bucks for that. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe they don't put this into actual marketing dollars and they just say you know what that's branding uh that's just long-term goodwill maybe maybe even the sign of the top here <laughs> who knows right yeah um, yeah so so now it gets to the point in the conversation where we're going to shift to community questions asked in the chat here and we have some good ones um so here first one's going to be from fabio he's asking for the top three coins you can give us to invest in yeah, I mentioned them. Uh, and again, I think it's my, like, at the end, I think opinions are worthless. What really matters is the results. And the results here are my actions. Um, and my actions are, I my, my most of my crypto funds and also our company funds are in three coins. Uh, it's in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and DeFi chain. 
Um, so any other opinion is pretty worthless from my side here, just because uh, why don't I put my money where my mouth is? And so I am putting it into those three coins. Uh, so it's a simple answer. Yeah, cool. And then we have another question from uh, John Steffes. Um, he's asking, I think there will be parallel economy for quite a while, fiat and crypto. So I think this plays out like into like, how, how is that going to emerge over the next years? Like fiat and crypto is it going to be two economies or are they going to merge or exist in parallel or um, how, how do you think about that? I really think that they are going to be a bit parallel. Um, again, I see the crypto world. I know that the crypto world wants to compete with the fiat world and I just don't see that the utility of fiat is going to go away. Um, I just need to be a, like, again, value comes from three things. Value comes from utility times its rarity times the number of people that are affected by that. And so the best is if you have something that has massive utility, um, that's super, super rare and that everyone on this planet needs, it's very unlikely that you will ever find this, um, because evolution took care of that. It's very unlikely that you will have a lot of people that if something is so rare, right? So, um, so again, it, it, it's built around these things. And with fiat, you, the utility is super clear. Um, the utility is keeping a, a trade of goods relatively stable um, and making it accessible to the people within, a, within an economy. Um, the reason why the value of fiat goes down is just because it becomes less and less rare. Um, and so it's just super clear. Bitcoin is the exact opposite of that. I just never understand how you can compare that. Um, Bitcoin actually becomes rarer and rarer because people lose it all the time. So there's less and less access. Um, the number of people that it affects is going up where fiat is very, very stable. Um, and again, I think Bitcoin's utility doesn't really go up um, where fiat's utility actually can go up dramatically depending on the on the, on the the scenario and, and the time. So to me, these two things are, yeah, I think they're really parallel. I, I don't understand how they are competing. What, what, what do you think on like now that like fiat inflates more and more and like we have 6.2% inflation in the US and I think the money supply has grown by 20 to 30% in the last year even and um, like at what at which point are we going to not denominate crypto in fiat anymore because like with all these inflation happening and like potentially like even hyperinflation or anything in, uh, in some countries we already have that. Um, at some point, it doesn't make sense to value something in the US dollar anymore. Is there going to be another currency or um, it, it kind of also inflates the price of like the, the increasing price of Bitcoin or anything else, right? Because, yeah. I mean, there's still a super long path how the dollar is going to survive. Um, I mean, they still have so many metrics when it comes to unrealized gains, taxation, how they actually pull dollars out of the system. I don't know. I I, I think, like, yeah, I, I think this notion of the dollar disappearing over the next 25 years is such a gold and crypto credo. Um, and as soon as you go outside of this gold and crypto credo world and uh, you go to anyone that's, like, heavily invested in stocks and equities... Um, obviously, it's heavily invested in bonds. Um, yeah, I mean, no one there comes up with this idea that the dollar is going to disappear over the next twi uh, 25 years. I mean, I also don't think so. I, I don't think it's going to disappear over the next 25 years. Um, I think Bitcoin will always or will always uh, will always be measured in a fiat currency. Yes, we can discuss that this is not dollars. Um, 
I just don't know in what else it should get measured. Um, again, it, it is going to get measured unless a country or a, uh, a large jurisdiction is going to base its GDP in Bitcoin. And I don't see that. I don't see that in the next, definitely not in the next 10 years. And I still have my doubts for the next 25 years. Well, it's been awesome yeah. having you here today, Julian. You've been sharing uh, some great perspective with us. And it's been, a, it's been a great pleasure. So how can people follow you and learn more about the stuff you're working on? Um, yeah, my Twitter, I think, is the best. Uh, my handle is at Julian Hosp. Just be sure you're actually following the verified account. I know just like in everything crypto, there's a lot of fake accounts. So just be careful there. And obviously, I would really love to welcome you as a user of our platform. We have a super cool promotion running at the moment. It's called the 1111 promotion. So if you want to take use of that, then uh, do it this week. Yeah, com. All right, be sure to check that out, guys. Again, Julian is the co-founder and CEO of Cake DeFi. You can check out previous episodes of Staking Mondays on YouTube and Spotify. Be sure to read our SR20 index that was just released last week. We have an article up in our journal section on stakingrewards.com. And please like and subscribe to our channel. As always, guys, happy staking. For Mirko, I'm Ken. And this episode was sponsored by P-Stake, a liquid staking solution for the Cosmos ecosystem and beyond. Thanks, Julian. Take care. Thank you. With P-Stake, users can stake assets like Atom through the P-Stake protocol to gain staking rewards. P-Stake users also receive a wrapped asset, which represents the underlying staked asset. These derivative tokens can be used on Ethereum-based DeFi platforms with support for more networks in the future. So users can maximize their yield by providing liquidity on DEXs. They can also be used as collateral for loans and much more, in addition to receiving staking rewards for the underlying asset. Why choose between staking rewards and DeFi opportunities when you can have both with P-Stake. Hey.